Hey everyone, welcome to the Pod Works Podcast, where we talk all things work and tech life. Get ready to dev deep with you and I. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Steven. I'm a sales engineer as well as a software developer. I'm Gabby, and I'm a software developer and a development tech lead. I am Katrina, or Kat. I am the UX and UI design lead for BizWorks. We all do a lot of things, um, but we are a part of the developer and designer team at BizWorks. And we're a software solutions company. We make everything from kind of web and mobile apps, as well as VR, AR. But today, we're going to talk about the tech industry and our products. I think you're probably the best person you that can do that. the yeah. explanation between the differences of AR, VR, and MR. You know what? I, don't think I thought anyone... MR was Mr. at first. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should do it. Augmented reality. Yeah, we work with augmented reality and virtual reality. reality. <laughs> Mr. Reality. <laughs> 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 Mixed reality. Maybe probably should be you. That's all of interest. Yeah. The crazy thing is like th- there could be like four more acronyms here. But usually you have your augmented reality, virtual reality, and then mixed reality. Because of branding and different terms being used by like different companies, like a lot of these gets mixed. It's like simulated reality. There's there's a lot here. You know, by the time this comes out, there might be like four more devices. Who knows? I'm not surprised. I mean, you're checking out the new Quest. Yeah. So the one that came out pretty recently is the Meta Quest 3. What's interesting about that is like if we go back to the terminology here, it's like they do a lot of things around mixed reality. So we, have, you know, usually have your AR and kind of look at that for glasses. So things like the Holland, where you can kind of bypass and see the real world, but have the virtual world superimposed on top. Like Snapchat. Yeah, exactly. Or your favorite Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go. <laughs> you know, no one turns on that feature, but exactly. <laughs> just Steven. <laughs> just he's he's the alpha only tester. <laughs> I am their whole user <laughs> one feature. <laughs> but with the Quest 3, what's interesting is because there's a lot of implementation. So they have these cameras in front that can kind of view the world. So it does that mixed reality, but also can like turn to full virtual reality. So I wonder when would be the time when we actually gather together and be like, okay, let's use one terminology. That's a great question. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like from a designer standpoint, having different standards as well is um, a little bit chaotic for us. So being like someone out there who's doing the standards. (laughs) But at least, you know, you open a website and there's expectations, Mm -hmm. right? How to like navigate kind of on a header. Or like how people react to certain things. Yeah, exactly. Some of it you can kind of assume like what they're doing, but of course, like we always need to like do testing for our users um, and other like stakeholders. I, I mean, yeah, design accessibility. You were on the CER team. I was on the CER team where we did data visualizations for um, an energy regulator. The Canada Energy Regulator, or CER, which launched the Data Visualization Initiative. The target users were K-12 students so that we can have a bit more public engagement within it, teach K-12 students how to navigate 
data stories or um, just to learn more about energy. Big companies, small companies, or like whatever energy related really. So when it comes to like accessibility, it was definitely a big challenge for us just because you're not only thinking about your users, you're also thinking about your clients and you're thinking about the programming side of it and like if what we're doing, is it actually possible or not? Yeah, because um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have blank slate, but we can only know if like things are, are actually doable, not until we actually talk to the other people who are implementing what we're trying to do. Yeah, that's what I find a lot interesting with accessibility or like inclusive design, because that means everybody. And like, how do you do that for everybody? You're always going to miss someone. You have to somehow account for it even in this in the slightest sense. And like, how do you do that? As well as please all of the, the people who are giving you the business of trying to do this project. I know with the CER project, we did that for a long that project. A long time. Oh, yeah. about 10, no, not 10 years, maybe like seven, eight. Yeah. Some like interesting visualizations. I know we show off that like I haven't seen, but like kind of pass your bar chart. Not only like is it showing data, but it's kind of fun to use. Like it's one of our best demos we show. Like a lot of people love dragging some of our visualizations around and actually are able to see like useful insights. Like I always look at that pipeline one. What's in it though? Which one is that? I believe if you will see our visualizations, there should be three visualizations that are available for the public. And one of them is called pipeline incidents. Basically they're safety records from like long, 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 long time ago. Some of them were in paper um, when we found our data. <laughs> so we had to do like a little data clean, clean up as well with the visualizations as its normal process. The location of where an incident happened you can drag around the visualization itself or like the components within the visualizations to like form the narrative that is most understandable to you. But the default one that are being showcased is basically find your location. Yeah, you click on Alberta and then you can kind of see like where the journey is, what happened, why it happened, what was the company involved in it, uh, the status, if it's closed or open or the year. Um, there's also a map that's involved in it. Pipeline phase um, is very important. Just it's incidents for pipelines. <laughs> so like what kind, what, what phase is it within the oh, pipeline? Said phase. Oh, like, sorry. P-H-A-S-E. Yeah. yeah, I was phase. like, the face of the pipeline, like the, the picture? <laughs> really confused. But no, I get that though. Phase. Imagine how hard or annoying that would be to control F into a spreadsheet of all those different things. And then doing another control, like it's just the amount of filter you need to do on an Excel yeah. sheet. And I'm supposed to find what incident happened in 1985 <laughs> in Fort Mac <laughs> from like TransCanada Energy. Like, how would I find that in amount of time that is reasonable and in amount of time where I'm not distracted? And then yeah. I think it's good that that way it's, it breaks it down and helps you go through it. Exactly. And that was the whole point of it as well, because what they really wanted, what the CR wanted to do was to bring out the data for the people to be a little bit more transparent, but they release it as CSVs to everybody. And then, uh, no one was looking at it. Could you ever imagine that kind of data visualization with the CR being like in a VR app? You think that's usable? I think it's doable. Like at the end of the day, you know, when I look at VR and AR and these headsets, like it's just a screen. I think what it gives you is what we call like unlimited real estate. We always say that like it's a screen, but it's because it's tracking. There are times when 
visualizations work well in 2D and work well in 3D or even worse in 3D. Like you have to kind of understand what you're trying to show. Because at the end of the day, all these visualizations do is take data and like make it digestible. Yeah, absolutely could. You do well, have some projects be. that are yeah. uh, doing data visualizations in VR, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we worked on a quite a few. Probably our biggest one is around dark vessel detection. This dark vessel detection system helps improve control room operations. It adds portability and personalization to the modern control room, allowing operators to quickly and easily access data, monitor vessels, and take action to combat illegal fishing. So we worked with MDA as well as Simon Fraser University, taking um, fishing data and showing that off. So MDA is a big company. They have had a lot of data. They have satellites scanning the ocean, but they also provide software to Coast Guards. They have a lot of fishing data around that. And we work with them on an R&D project about putting that stuff into VR. So a lot of that is taking kind of that fishing data and putting it onto a map. Something that's cool about like map base is naturally they're 3D because you kind of have your like lat long and then you have that extra dimension where you can play around with. One of the things we found was we started putting like time because when you get these vessel recognitions, they, they happen over a period of time. And then the cool things you can see the path. And what's interesting is they do that usually on 2D, but it's kind of like flat. So it's hard to see, especially if things are overlapping. But adding that third dimension, we have this called like time space cube, which is a visualization that you see a lot of research, but not too much in kind of everyday visualizations. I think part of it is because of the technology. Like we're looking at screens, so depth is hard but because you're in vr and you have that 3d space we can you know play around with 3d that actually walk around it so that's like one of the things we've done physworks in general does that a lot like we found our lot of projects is a lot about taking the data creating some sort of visualizations to tell a story or to digest it better well it was only actually when i started at physworks that i found it doesn't always have to be technical like file space is a good example of it it's an online digital museum hello i'm peter Terzakian. the story you're about to hear is from energy file i'd like you to meet alfred dickey why because you'll be surprised by what he can teach us about our energy choices where um, our client, Peter Tridzakian, he wanted to have his collections and artifacts online um, in a way that will capture people and in a way that he's able to like showcase those artifacts through his own storytelling. Energy fell that fell space.com. It's now grown into this multi-tenancy program where Heritage Park uses them, Contemporary Calgary uses them, University of Lethbridge, yep, right? And I think it's just a really nice like visual how I would describe it as like just like sorting cards, but still having that storytelling of this is the image of it, the background story. Uh, what else? Like, are you implying that this is a vision board, like a dream board? Ooh. A dream board, like a, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you think about in ways, because it's not necessarily like the initial conception of it was based on energy artifacts. But when you think about the different tenants he has, like Heritage Park, they integrate kind of similar with what you're talking about with kind of mapping data but on to like latin long so like heritage park leverages a feature that we have where you can put say like the candy store my favorite place at heritage park um you can put like make a card that shows a picture of 
a candy store, a little blurb about the candy store, and then you can actually see where it is on a map of where the candy store is. And then you can use your phone to scan our beloved QR codes. <laughs> and then it lets you walk to the place in the grounds. You're like connecting the things of the cards to a physical space, similar to what Peter did for Energy File, but now we're allowing it to do it in location. So you're kind of connecting the two worlds, the digital world and the real world. So file space isn't just a bunch of cards with text and pictures. You can actually also add PDFs, links. It's almost kind of like a data management system, but just displayed in a museum digital library space. So it's not something that is like a cookie cutter, like you can only use it for this one single purpose. I'm finding that it's actually quite malleable based on the needs of the client. And we can use existing features to fit what clients need and then also kind of add different things that kind of make it more interactive on the front end and also lets you see more than just a card because the card is supposed to get your attention and then the supplementary stuff, like things we call the assets, so the PDFs and stuff, those are kind of like the second layer. Of like a deep dive. Yeah, deep yeah. dive. Yeah. Into my dream board or my vision <laughs> board. Yeah. So it's kind of a way to add narratives based on the needs of the client, but then also kind of let you categorize them to tell different chapters of the story. Yeah. Ooh, I'm going to use that in the next demo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the the location, the, the room feature mm -hmm. where uh, people can have their, what I would say, like sub file spaces from their main file space, they were definitely like some of my favorite ones to make and also some of the favorite ones to like just demo to people because like, ooh, <laughs> you can do this. <laughs> yeah, like there are obviously some features for me personally. I can only speak English. So if someone <laughs> wants to put a French version of the site, it will not be valuable to me. But I think we are giving features like rooms, like say someone has a hundred cards and you have a tiny iPad that you're looking it on. How annoying would that be as a user to look at? But if I give you a link that has five of those hundred cards, like vignettes, that's much easier to go through. And I think it definitely can help someone get a specific chunk of a story of what they're trying to tell versus here's a hundred cards, try to make a narrative out of that. So I think the features that you've designed have been really well designed. Implemented is a different question just based on or what was wanted by the clients at that time. But I think you accommodated them really, really, really well. Thank you. And they got exactly what they wanted in terms of design. Thank you. I it's, I do think that we we can do a lot more improvements on, on file space itself. And I think file space is a good practice, at least like for people in the company who are in the project to, to have more practice with accessibility, with air products. File space has been Probably one of the longest projects we've been iterating on. I also would argue that it's the one project where the client obviously has their one use, but the audience of people using it is very similar to what you're saying with the CER. Accessibility needs to be thought of. The things that Katrina would need to think about as a designer are kind of more important because she has to think about the planes of which they're being used on, like a computer versus a tablet versus a kiosk versus smart board like or even like who the client is exactly, or like who the yeah. tenant is yeah so it's just i think yeah. it's kind of a one project but it's so many factors so that many you factors. have to really think about every edge case yeah it's very interesting to just think about like peter our main client and then the tenant who is peter's client and then the users of the felt phase who are the clients of the tenants and then you have these people who are providing the content which is aligned with the tenants, but not exactly the tenants, 
there's also that accommodation of giving uh, designs to that whole ecosystem and then giving designs to developers and then giving designs to the project manager. And then it's just this whole thing of like, what is the best possible case that everyone can agree on? That awareness to like iterate and to grab feedback from, from people. Because it's such a wide audience of users on the front end, like the gallery itself, as well as the admin portal, it's not something where I have to rope in mm -hmm. a developer to do testing for one of my other projects. It's something that's widely used, right? It kind of helps us figure out where to move forward when we're thinking bigger picture if we want to redesign a feature on the back and have to make it easier for people. Yeah. It's definitely a true product at this point. I've been on it for what, three years? I think you've been on it for two-ish? I think probably the, around the same time. Oh, yeah. Because I think like we've, we've been doing stuff before you came into the project. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And then Steven was on it for two so months. 20 minutes? <laughs> 20 minutes. Took okay, two months though to teach. Yeah, it was 20 minutes worth of work over two months. <laughs> so if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing, leave a rating and or a review. If you want to learn more about what we do, please check out our website, bizworks.com. Thank you for listening. Bye. 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 -bye.